Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, this is Kat Lee and I'm really excited about today's topic and today's guest We're talking with Christy Wright about how to grow a side business. Uh, She is the founder of the Business Boutique Conference that's going to be held in Phoenix and then in Dallas, Texas. I'm going to be attending that one. It is May 20th and 21st, and it has an amazing lineup of speakers. Everyone from Christine Kane to Amy Porterfield, who is one of my favorite marketing experts, to a variety of other amazing, amazing speakers. So I'm really excited to be at that event. If you are going, definitely let me know because I would love to connect with you. So we're going to talk today about how we can grow a side business. As moms, a lot of us want to bring in just a little bit extra income, or we have a hobby that we want to turn into a business. And Christy, who is a certified business coach, is going to share her thoughts and her expertise with us today. But first, I want to say a huge thank you to our show sponsor, Plan to Eat. Plan to Eat is an online menu planning site, and it makes recipe management and menu planning and shopping list making super simple. I've been using them for years, and I absolutely love them. I can easily make a menu plan for the week in just a couple minutes, and it automatically makes my shopping list for me. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. Plan to Eat is offering a free 30-day trial for you, so just go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action and give them a try. Now let's jump into our show today with Christy Wright. Hey, Christy. Thanks so much for being on the Inspired to Action podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, I was uh, stalking you basically this morning, <laughs> and um, I decided we could uh, be best friends. I saw that you um, you just finished a half marathon. Is that right? I did. It was just last weekend. It was so fun. That's amazing. And you're in the process of writing a book as well? Yes, I was working on that this morning. This is a crazy season, but those are the best seasons. Man, I love it. So you have a lot of things happening, a lot of things going on. You also have uh, a conference called the Business Boutique, and I'm actually going and bringing some friends to the one that's going to be in Dallas. There's also a another one in Phoenix on the 13th and 14th, and the one in Dallas uh, is on the 20th through the 21st. So you have a lot happening, and um, I would love for you to just to take a second and just introduce yourself uh, to our, our listeners. Absolutely. Well, I am the daughter of an entrepreneur. My mom was a single mom and she started a little bakery when I was six months old uh, to raise and support me. And so it's really cool to see how fast forward 32 years, um, God has brought me to this place in this time uh, where I really uh, have a passion to help women turn their hobbies and dreams and skills and ideas into side businesses. And there's a real market for that where 
you have women that either maybe they have a full-time job they don't love because everyone doesn't love their job. And maybe they're a stay-at-home mom and they just want to do something on the side to supplement their income. Or maybe they just have uh, something that they're really good at and they want to use their skills and education and experience uh, to serve the marketplace and to feel like they're contributing in, in that way and using those gifts that they've been given. And so it's been very fun to see how this movement has evolved over the last year where we have created the business boutique. And it started out as an event last November and it was very successful. It sold out, you know, 1200 seats in like five weeks. It was a huge hit. And now we're launching tons of new products and projects and resources and tools and online community and more events, which you just talked about, um, to really help these women. Because what I found in my research, Kat, and I did research for several years before we launched this, is that while, you know, we love this thing that we do, whether that's uh, sewing or graphic design or accounting or organizing or whatever the thing is. Um, we love the thing, but we don't necessarily love the business side of things. And business can be overwhelming. And we have a lot of questions about business licenses and taxes and how do I market myself? How do I sell without being pushy? And all of, how do I balance it all? How do I, where am I going to find the time for this? And so those questions can a lot of times get us stuck and keep us from taking our uh, passion to the marketplace. And so that's where we come in. And I love to help equip women uh, to make money doing what they love. And that's the tagline of the business boutique. And so I have a background in business. I was raised in my mom's business, but I'm also a mom and I get it. It can be hard and I'm very creative at heart. And so I know how vulnerable it can be to put yourself and your heart out there on the line. And so I love bringing women together and to encourage each other and uh, to tell them they can do this. And here are the answers to their questions. Here's the plan that they need. And, uh, and give them what they need to go out there and win. I love it. You know, I have to say in my whole journey of doing things online and, and having, you know, it's almost hard, I think, sometimes as a mom when you're doing something sort of on this, quote unquote, on the side, even though it ends up being a little bit more than on the side, to actually call yourself something, to actually say, I am a business owner or this is a business instead of just saying, well, I, I have a little thing on Etsy or I have, right. I have this little thing or that little thing. How do we... Well, what would you say to the mom that is in that place? She has something, you know, maybe she's just sold one thing ever, but she wants to take it to a business. How, do, how does she make that transition, even just starting in her head? Well, I think that's a great question. And one of the things that I really kind of found in my research, Kat, is it's an evolution over time. Um, it, it, there's not a switch that you flip and you feel like, okay, I'm an entrepreneur now, or I'm a business owner now. Um, it really evolves over time. And what's interesting is I just Tell, I just tell women, you know, it's okay for you to be a beginner. Give yourself permission to be a beginner. Give yourself permission to dabble in this and experiment and not take it that seriously. But if you want to grow it, you don't need to stay there. But what's interesting is as women with their side businesses or hobbies, as they take one baby step, that success fuels the next baby step. And so what's interesting is their goals may start out really, really small. In the beginning, they may say, you know, I just love to sell one pair of earrings in my Etsy store. And five years down the line, they are have a full-time business that employs their husband and 15 people. And they could have never seen that on that first day. But one pair of earrings after another pair of earrings, you know, one successful month after another successful year. And each with each step, you gain the confidence and the momentum to take the next step until it turns into something much bigger than you even originally could have seen. And so I just tell women, you know, give yourself permission to be a beginner. It's okay if it, you know, if you want to start out at these early stages and just kind of mess around with it. But if you do want to grow it to your point to a business, um, one of the key 
things to remember is we have to understand that it's no longer a hobby. It's a business. And there's a difference between a hobby and a business. A hobby costs you money. A business makes you money. So where profit and pricing and charging and the financials were not even a consideration when it was a hobby, it becomes a major factor when you decide, I want to actually turn this into a business um, because a business needs profits in order to stay in business for you to continue to help people. Now, the other great thing about running a business and actually earning an income from this thing that you love is it becomes really difficult to justify 10 or 20 or 30 hours a week away from your family, away from your regular responsibilities, which already overwhelm us, to do this one little thing just because you love it. But if it's making money, if this thing you love is also making money and contributing to the family income, then it becomes much easier to justify that time away because you are contributing to the family income. So there's a lot of benefits to running a business out of something you love. And if you want to keep it a hobby, that's totally fine. You put a line item in your personal budget and say, I'm going to you know, spend $100 a month on my crafts because it's just fun. But if you want to make it a business, it needs to be something that begins to support itself and you treat it like a business. So let's say that somebody's listening and, and, and they're like, yeah, I want, I want to make it a business. What are some of the first steps that they would do to transition? You know, they're making the mental shift, but they need to make some, you know, shifts in the way that they run it, the way that they look at it. What are some of those baby steps in that area? Sure, absolutely. Well, if you're just starting out and you don't have anything, um, the, the best starting point is you need a plan. And I have a quick start plan on my website on christywright.com that you can download for free. Or if you come to the business boutique event, we go through the full business plan and it is big and it's long, not in an overwhelming way, but it covers everything you need to think about to turn your business, turn your hobby into a business. But most people, they just kind of start out by experimenting. They set up a Facebook page, they create logos, they make business cards. They just kind of throw stuff against the wall and see, you know, to see what sticks. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, you, you will have more mistakes when you don't have a plan, but the great thing is you're doing stuff. You're taking action and you're moving and shaking and making a difference and seeing what works. So if someone is in that stage where they're already kind of making things happen and putting stuff out there, I don't want to discourage them at all. They don't have to stop what they're doing um, because you, you learn a lot as you go. But having that plan, whether that's from my website or from the event, or you just set it on your own, um, can really give you that reset to make sure that you're starting with the end in mind and you're building your business around yourself and your life uh, that that is going to get you to the end goal and to the, the results that you want. Because it's very easy in business to get distracted by the endless opportunities. So having a plan will keep you on track for what, what you want it to be. So as they're thinking through that process then, I think from the women that I've talked to, and I have a lot of friends that, you know, are, are doing side businesses or, or bloggers that I've talked to, there's this internal struggle between wanting to help people and needing to not have an expensive hobby. Uh, what would you say to, to women who, who feel conflicted about asking for money for whatever it is they do? I guess particularly this would be people who want to do service-oriented things or ministry-oriented things. Uh, what would you say to them to kind of help them uh, reconcile the two. Well, it's a great it's a great point, and this is one of the biggest struggles that we have in business, and women by far struggle with it more than men. Um, there's also a belief in the Christian subculture. I'm in the South, so in the South and the Christian subculture, that somehow um, rich people are evil mm-hmm. and money is bad. And I coached a woman one time that 
continued to struggle with making money in her business. And she was a fitness coach. And week after week, we would work through this. And eventually, I finally said, do you believe that earning money is bad? And she kind of paused and got kind of squirmy and got kind of weird. And then she finally just said, yeah, I I do. And I said, well, then you will never make money. Because if you don't believe in the goodness of business and making money, you'll never have a good business or make money. So it really starts the mindset shift. And there's a great book and resource on this called Thou Shall Prosper by uh, Daniel Lappin, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. And the whole idea behind this book is that the idea of business in and of itself is good. It doesn't have to be nonprofit. It doesn't have to be a ministry. It doesn't have to be a charity. It doesn't have to be a 501c3. Just you offering your gifts in the marketplace and bringing value to people who need what you want, what you have, is good. It, that, that in itself is good. You are, you are using your gifts, which is a good thing. You are serving people, which is a good thing. You're providing value and giving them something that they need or want, which is a good thing. If you grow your business and employ people, you're providing a job for them, which is a good thing. You're earning an income for your family, which is a good thing. And you're able to stay in business, which is a good thing, and help more people, which is a good thing. So when we start to change our mind about this idea that, um, you know, a tax status of nonprofit is holy and being in business is greedy, then we can start to unapologetically step into our gifts and earn a profit. Because the truth is, you're still helping people. And, um, you know, the way that you worded it, you said, how do you, how do you help people that struggle with asking for money? I think that's what part of our mindset problem is, is we think we're asking for money. But if we focus on that, if we focus on I, as a woman, as a mom, am asking this other woman, this other mom for money, then of course I feel guilty and weird. But if I change my mindset and I say, I, as a woman and a mom, am providing value to this other woman and this mom, then I don't feel bad about the fact that she's paying for that service because I've provided value. And really that's all sales is. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's how Tiffany Peterson, my friend explains that she's a sales expert. And she says, sales is an exchange of value. That's it. We have, we attach all these emotions to it. But when you go in Starbucks, you hand them a $5 bill and they hand you your latte. It's an exchange of value. One is a $5 bill. One is a latte. So when you're in business, you're providing value and the person is paying, which it has a value to it. And they're paying because they believe that what you're giving them is more valuable than those dollar bills. But the real root of this, honestly, Kat, is that we don't believe in our value. We don't believe in the value of our products, of our services. We don't believe that what we have to offer is worth anything. And that's why we feel bad. And we feel like we're asking for money, like we're like we're begging, but we're not focusing on the value that we add. And so I just really, there's a lot of teaching around this, which we spend a lot of time at the event on this because it's such a hot topic. Um, but it really comes down to knowing your worth and the value of your work, because the truth is, if you don't value your work, no one else will. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think there's also the other element of when I, you know, so my son, for example, he just saved up for a skateboard and he just ordered it and it came yesterday and he could not be more excited about it because he paid money for it. We didn't give it to him. He paid money for it and he saved for it. Right. And, you know, I think as businesswomen, if we think about the fact that when other people invest in whatever it is that we have, they're going to get so much more value out of it, more than likely. I mean, there's going to be a few exceptions of people who really fully take advantage of things that are free. But more often than not, people who invest something into whatever it is that we, we have to offer are going to get a lot more value and enjoyment and 
whatever effectiveness out of whatever it is that we have to offer than if they, you know, than if we were just giving everything away for free everywhere we go. Absolutely. People do not value it if they don't have skin in the game. When we, when we give away tickets to our event, 90% of those people don't show up. Mm-hmm. When they pay something, when they have some skin in the game, then they, they value it more. A great example is college students, college students that have either a scholarship to maintain or they pay their tuition have higher GPAs than the, the, those that their parents pay for it. Because they value it. They know when they miss a class, it's $95. They have some skin in the game. And the same concept is true in business. If they have some skin in the game, then they're happy to pay the price. And what's interesting, too, is we think that people are just all greedy and um, or we think that, you know, people won't pay our price. They, they, we're, we're sell, they're going to think we're selfish and uh, they're going to try to undercut us. Every customer, every cheapo out there that's trying to negotiate with you on your price is not your target market. Your target market is the person who wants what you are selling and is willing to pay the price you set. Anyone else that's all, you know, squirming around trying to steal your patterns and your secret sauce, that's not your target market. You're not trying to be everything to everyone. So it, it, you're not trying to compete with the Amazons and the Walmarts of the world. And so it allows you to have confidence in setting your price and sticking to it. And those people are happy to pay the price you charge. I have a blog that I wrote, um, I guess a couple months ago about, how I had struggled to find shoes for my son. He's 15 months old. He's walking around and I have tried to shove his little feet in every type of shoes. <laughs> I can find. They will not fit. And so my friends had told me to go to stride, right? Now, let me go ahead and give the disclaimer. I don't know a thing about stride, right? I'm not endorsing stride, right? But I avoided this because they told me the shoes were like $50. I was like, well, how different can they be? It's just little tiny tennis shoes. So after one day of my son stepping out of his shoes, getting mulch in his toes, crying his head off at the playground, I was like, that's it. I'm going to stride right. So I walked in, and I want you to know, Kat, within literally three minutes, the person had sized his foot. He is a size six extra wide, which they only made like one shoe in that in the whole store, custom baby shoe store. They only made one an extra wide. I was like, I'll take it in both she came over, it slipped on his foot like Cinderella's slipper. It was beautiful. I've never been so excited to pay $50 for tiny tissues in my life because it solved my problem. And so if we understand you're providing value, you're solving problems, you're meeting needs, then people are not only willing to pay your price, they're ecstatic to pay your price. Oh, that's a great example. And you know, I think you hit on such a key point there that too often we look at our product or whatever we're creating, um, we're looking at the features and not the benefit and the value of it. And so then yes. we don't see that for, as far as what we're giving to our customer. And so then we undervalue it. Totally. Absolutely. And it's interesting because that comes out in the language that we use. We talk when we're talking about our business, all about the features. But you know what? No one cares about the features of your business. They care about what it's going to do for them. Mm-hmm. Everything that your customers cares about is what's in it for me. Why do I care? So all of your marketing language, your elevator pitch, your copy on your website, everything should answer the question, what's in it for me? Why do I care? We spend all day talking about the bells and whistles. They don't care about the bells and whistles. They care about what it's going to do for them. And that's what we've got to focus on. Mm-hmm. So let's say a mom is listening right now and is like, yes, I I have this passion and I want it to be more than a hobby. I want it to be a business. How do I find the time? What would, What would you say to her? Well, I think it really comes down to figuring out where does this business and this dream of yours, this priority of yours, fall in your in your hierarchy of priorities. Because as women, and I'll speak from my own, my own experience here, is we have a real bad habit of treating everything as equal. Everything is not equal. 
We've got to have a hierarchy of priorities in our life so that when push comes to shove and we're pulled in multiple competing directions, we know what wins. So during crazy travel season, my time with friends drops off the map because I only have a limited amount of time home in town that's spent with my husband and my baby. But during the summer, when I'm not traveling, I've got all kinds of time with friends. Other things are not as much of a priority. So just understanding where your dream falls in your priority will help you make those decisions about your time. Because what we try to do is we try to say, okay, I've got this little hobby. I'm going to turn it into a business. Right now, I'm maxed out on my schedule. Um, So I'm just going to add this business and I'm going to work on this business 10 hours a week. That's my goal. And you don't have 10 hours a week. You, You have to give up something because your time is finite. We all have the exact same 24 hours in a day. So if your goal to work on your business is 10 hours a week, then what is that more important than? Is it more important than sleep? And you're going to wake up two hours early every day, five days a week. Is it more important than that volunteer thing you've been doing for years, but your heart's not in anymore and you need to quit that to free up some space to do this thing? You've got to give up something. Like, so what are you going to cut out in order to make room for this thing? And I think just realizing that there's a, there's a, our time is finite and you're going to have to give up something to fit this in unless you're not busy. But I don't know anyone not busy, Kat. (laughs) I don't know anyone that's not busy. Me and everyone I hang out with are busy. And so if you've just got all the time in the world, by all means, start a business, start five businesses. Or call us. We have work you could do. Yeah, exactly. Um, But if you're stretched thin, you've got to have an honest look in the mirror and realize, you know what, my time is fine. I, I cannot crowbar one more thing in and just create minutes out of thin air. If you figure out how to do that, please let me know. You're going to have to give something up. And so uh, that just deciding what is that? What is this business more important than that you're willing to give up to make time for the business in your schedule? Well, that leads to a very, very important question, because in order to make that time, we have to say the dreaded word to people. We have to say no. (laughs) Um, And nobody wants to do that. We all want to be, we all want to say yes. We want to help everybody and solve everybody's problems all at the same time. But in order to do what you're saying, which is what we need to do in, in order to turn anything, you know, in order to have time for anything really, but specifically to turn a hobby into a business. How do we say no? Kat, honestly, we could spend a whole podcast talking about the word no, because I love talking. I love talking about this because it's something I struggle with on a daily basis myself. And I've got a whole soapbox on saying no, but I'll spare you that. I'll tell you the first thing that popped in my head when you asked me that. So I feel like that's what I'm supposed to share. If I'm honest with myself, a lot of times my desire to say yes to everyone everywhere is not about them. And it's not even about me helping them. It's about me. And it's about me feeling needed and me feeling valued and me feeling like the hero and me feeling like Mother Teresa and me loving the credit and the attention when everyone goes, oh, Christy is superwoman. Christy can do it all. Me loving that, that's what me saying yes is about. And so when we have a real hard look in the mirror and realize that a lot of times pleasing people isn't about the people, it's about us and how we feel. But when we please people, um, then it gives us a little bit of that hard truth and the confidence to say no with confidence and know that we're going to be okay, that everyone else is going to be okay. There is a God and it's not us. It's not our job to save the world. And my pastor, Pete Wilson, has a fantastic line that just cuts right to the core of this. He said, There's a difference between doing something to be loving and doing it to be loved. Mm. 
And when we meditate on that for a second, sit with that truth for a second, it helps us look at those decisions and say, am I saying this because I really want to help? And maybe you do. And then do the thing, you know, say yes there. Or am I doing this because this makes me feel good about me? And, and when you kind of step back from that, it allows you to say no with confidence. It allows you to realize that you are going to be okay if you're not everyone's hero, if, if, if you're not saving everyone's day and solving everyone's problems. And the truth is when we spend our life saying yes to everyone else, we're spending our life reacting to everyone else's demands of us instead of being in the driver's seat of our own life and us deciding what we say yes to and what we say no to. And the truth is you don't just have the right to say no. You have the responsibility to say no, because if you don't protect what matters to you, these these values, these priorities, your business, these things that take up your time, if you don't protect those, no one else will do that for you. And so, um, you know, and no is a complete sentence. Here in the South, we want to be nice. We want to be liked. We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But, you know, the truth is... No, it's a complete sentence. You don't need to apologize for it, justify it, excuse it, explain it. You can just say no. And and if you want to, here's a good tip for your listeners. Uh, My husband says this to me every time I have a new house remodeling idea, which is approximately every day. um, He says no to me, but he never says the word. So he starts with an affirmation. And then he tells me no in some way and then ends with an affirmation. The affirmation sandwich. Yeah, totally. So it looks like this. He'll go... What a great idea. You know, I think it is so interesting that you thought of that. We don't have the time right now to fit that in, but thanks for thinking of it. (laughs) I love it. The answer is still no, (laughs) but he did it in such a nice way. (laughs) So, you know, you can find ways to say no that are true to you where you don't feel like a jerk or you feel mean, uh, but you've got to learn this skill because if you don't, you're going to end up committing to things you end up resenting and regretting later. And there's a great quote by uh, Warren Buffett that I love. He said, the difference between successful people and very successful people is that very successful people say no to almost everything. You know, your time is finite and your resources are limited and you're going to have to say no. Uh, And so it's really learning about how to say no in the right places. That's so good. And I think ultimately, even beyond just saying the word no, decision making is such a crucial key part of having a success, successful business. And what would you say to the to the mom listening who's like, okay, I want to do all these things and I, I kind of just want to do everything. How would you encourage her or, or would you encourage her to be specific with whatever her side business is and say no to all the other ideas that she has floating around in her brain? I know. And that's really hard. Like if you're a creative person, it's really hard to turn down ideas. I have at least a hundred ideas a, a day. And all of them are brilliant, of course. All of them are just so good. Um, And so it's really hard to turn those down. But I'll tell you, uh, don't put the pressure on yourself to find the perfect idea, to find your calling. I don't know what my calling is. I don't know if you do, but like that seems very overwhelming. I'm just doing something I'm good at. And so find something you're good at that you enjoy and do that thing and do it well. And when you have focus and you resist that temptation we're talking about, uh, you know, doing 5,000 things. What happens is, is you're going to be way more successful because you're having focus and focus and momentum are very, very powerful. But not only that, when you have 15 businesses going on at one time, not only are you diluting your efforts, so you're not making a lot of progress in any direction, you're doing a lot of things and none of them well, but you're confusing the heck out of your customers. And it's very key to winning in business to be known for one thing. And your customers want to know, what are you known for? When they go to your website, what do you do? If you go to a website 
and you plan weddings and you do accounting services and you teach music lessons and you sew purses and you walk dogs, I don't even know what to do with you (laughs) because you do too many things. But if I go to your website and you plan weddings and then you also have event rentals where you will, you have an upsell, you add additional products to say, I also provide uh, centerpieces and tablecloths and mason jars and candles. Well, that's a logical addition to your business of wedding planning. And I understand what you're known for. You're known for weddings. So I'm not saying you can only do one thing, one product, one service. You can expand your business and grow it and have upsell and have additional sources of income, but they need to be like things. They need to be similar things. And so it's very tempting. And trust me, this is something I don't have a perfect answer for because I struggle with putting pushing my ideas aside daily. Uh, but it's something that ultimately you're going to be more successful when you focus on one one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I read, I think it was on a website called jamesclear.com. He writes a lot about habit building and stuff. And he, he wrote about a thing where I, I don't remember the man's name, but he spoke at some graduation and talked to the students about, he called it the Helsinki bus station theory. And it was the idea that at the Helsinki bus station, you know, all these buses will go out and it seems like they're all going going the same direction because they're going out from the bus station on the same street. Um, and, and, but the, the, the deal is, is that the longer you stay on the bus, the um, more new territory you see, the more, you know, creative your experiences on riding the bus. And so his example to the students was that, you know, a lot of moms listening right now might be like, well, I make hair bows, but everybody makes hair bows. So I don't know if I can make it a business. But I think, you know, as you're talking about saying no and and as you're talking about um, focusing and all that, the longer we stay on the train, the longer we'll figure out what makes us different, what makes us exceptional, what sets those hair bows apart from all the other hair bows in the industry. And I I think that 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 story just popped into my head as you were talking. And I think it lines up a lot with that, just focusing on one thing and not, you know, all the ideas that come flying into our head and we kind of just need to swat those out of the air with a little idea swatter. Um, but at the same time, would you say it's important to, you know, be flexible and, and adjust as you go along in, in your business building? Sure. I think one of the things that's really important is when you're building the foundation of your business plan and you're looking at what's your big dream for this, what's your vision, why do you do it? Uh, what you know? What's your mission? Why do you exist? And and what are your goals for your business? When you start to do some of that homework and that real strategic planning, then it helps you know what the end game is, and then how you get there can be flexible. You may change your course, you may adapt your goals, but but your your why and your motivation probably won't tra- change. Your dream probably won't change. It will probably stay the same, but your methods to get there may vary along the way, and things may adapt. And just to your point a second ago of there's someone else already making hair bows. This is something we struggle with where a lot of times in business, we're looking at someone else doing something better. Uh, but the truth is there's room for you. There's room for your unique voice and talent and passion and gift. This is a big world out there. We don't, you know, don't, don't push that aside just because someone else is doing the thing. There's plenty of people that are coaching women in business, but that's not stopping me. There's still a place that God can use me and God can use you too. Like, God has a plan for the dream that he gave you, and it's a plan and a dream that the world desperately needs you to step into. So don't hold back on that just because there's other people. The world is big enough and needs you and your unique voice, too. So good. I think that's definitely a key fear for so many women, that that their voice isn't needed, that their idea isn't needed. Um, Christy, tell us a little bit more about the business boutique, maybe who's going to be speaking, where the events are, and maybe just encouraging women about what what they're going to be able to walk away from the event with. Absolutely. Well, they're coming up quick. I'm so excited. May 13th and 14th in Phoenix. 
and May 20th and 21st in Dallas. And we have got a huge lineup of A-list speakers. We've got Lisa Turkhurst and Christine Kane, Amy Porterfield, who's an expert on social media, New York Times bestselling author, Rachel Cruz on money. Uh, we've got the money-saving mom, money-making mom, Crystal Payne, Tiffany Peterson, which is an expert on selling, and a ton of other amazing speakers to cover everything you need to start, run, and grow your side business. I love it. You know, and my friends and I were talking about it. We were like, wait, Amy Porterfield and Christine Kane at the same event. It just sort of blew our minds. And we're like, we have to go to that. So yes, so excited that you're putting this event together. And where can people go to learn more about you and more about the event? At uh, businessboutique.com. They can find out all about the sessions and the speakers and get tickets. Awesome. Christy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. I'll see you there. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you would take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with